When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca Even losses feel like wins When you're with your good friend Tim It's 77 minutes in heaven Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that's coming into its own in its third season in existence. Just like Josh Green, who has not existed, but for three years. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. We've got Bobby Corrala from the Mavericks. Frequent guest, friend of the show, all of those things. If Look, if somebody comes on your podcast more than once, you have to say friend of the show. It's somewhere... When I went to podcasting school... For four years, when I got my podcasting degree, my master's of podcasting, something that definitely happened, they taught me. That was, you know, that was like one-on-one stuff right there. Friend of the podcast. Welcome. Like, like, how does that make you feel, Bobby? And because that's why we say it. We want to make people feel good. It makes me feel great, Tim. Thank you. And I think now, because I've been on multiple seasons, am I like a longtime friend of the show? Do I even uh, get that ooh. badge as well? You're like a recurring character, you know? Like a featuring or like with. Right, right. You're, you're getting to the point that, you know, when we when you show up, we have to put guest starring. Mm. Bobby, I Crowell. like that. Uh, is yeah. this the third season of the podcast, Tim, or is this really only the second season of the podcast? 2021, 21, 22, 22, 23. Yeah, third, third season. Yeah, but third was season. 2021 like a real rookie year? Was that kind of like only partially a rookie year? Like what are Ooh. what are we talking we we kind of only got minutes about halfway through the season and not as many as mm. we got these next two. So in a lot of ways, we're like Josh Green. And in a lot of ways, I blame Rick Carlisle for us not getting more minutes that first season. So Rick is not a friend of the show. Uh, well, he's not a friend of. Yeah. Yeah. He's not. You know, wow. like it's okay. it's Dropping it's his bombs. fault. Our development is not where it should be. I'm on board with that. That's how podcasts work, you know? I sign off. Yep, I agree. Anyway, we won't get too much into Jason Kidd seeming to have a um, axe to grind with Ricardo, which might not totally be wrong. Um, Look, the, you know. the man knows how to subtweet, okay? In the NBA, we love drama. We know drama. We, we were born in it, molded by it. Um, so I, I have no problem with some pettiness on display. On and off the court, more more pettiness in the world. I think I think that if we were all just a little bit pettier and a little bit less, you know, you know, pettiness doesn't have to be mean. It can be nice in the right way. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore, Bobby. Let's get a vibe check. Let's get a vibe check. Not about Josh Green specifically, although I think he's a big part of the current good vibes. But where are you at after two fairly decisive wins? Um, you know, the Mavericks haven't been blown out a lot this season, but they haven't been blowing teams out 
all of their losses have been, you know, these super close, um, you know, down to the, you know, final minutes. You know, they played the most clutch games in the NBA, or at least they had going into the New York game. I'd have to double check and make sure that sh- that's true because they have now played two blowout wins where Luka Doncic has not had to play in the fourth quarter. We're talking about a 21 point win against the Knicks over the weekend and we're recording Tuesday morning. And so last night, the Mavericks just won 130-111 to friend of the podcast, Phoenix Suns. They've uh, they've made a few appearances. I- I'm not going to give them a guest starring role, but um, it's not a rent you know, free situation, is, but this is a familiar foe. How are you feeling? Uh, feels good to see the ball go through the net. You know, um, it just felt like for and they lost, what, five out of six games and even some of the wins, you know, like the Clippers win back in mid-November. It felt kind of like a loss. You know, it felt like you went to the dentist and got like 18 cavities fixed. You know, just like, ugh, I guess you won the game still. Yeah, uh, it feels good for them to just finally just beat the doors off a team that was relatively healthy in New York and beat a team that somehow is number one in the conference, despite being real shorthanded in Phoenix and, you know, doing it, not only relying on Luca, just being individually brilliant. You know, they still haven't won a game this season whenever he scores under 30 points, but you know, the Phoenix game, you had like five guys get at least 15 points or something against the Knicks, you know, everyone finally made some shots. And so it's good to see, them not just be like the one-man show Mavs. You know, everyone got to have a little bit of fun. Jaden Hardy uh, almost matched Devin Booker's scoring output. Like, guys up and down the roster were able to make an impact, which I feel like that can just sort of, like, collectively uplift the team spirit um, because it's not like, yeah, they won, but Tim was one for 12. Or they won, but Christian Wood was just really awful. Or, like, Dinwiddie, man, Bullock, Finney Smith, like, these guys stunk. Like, everyone was good. You know, there's just like no further questions. Let's just move on to the next one. And it's nice to have a couple, you know, sort of uh, sort of wholesome blowouts like that after such a really dreary period of basketball. The 30 point stat with Luca feels a little bit different when he's scoring 30 points and playing under 30 minutes when he's not having to play the fourth quarter. So, you know, of course, this team still completely hinges on the success and um, of their best player and, you know, very reliant on him. But yeah, it just there's something different when, you know, it's it's not just him clicking like you said. We texted a little bit last week and we were debating various merits or reasons why the Mavericks weren't playing well. And I wrote a little bit about my thoughts, which is that the Mavericks are shooting, you know, or last, you know, last week when I wrote uh on Tuesday, the Mavericks were shooting very similar numbers on you know, the type of shots that the role players take, the wide open shots and the catch and shoot shots compared to last season. And I think your thought was more, you know, obviously not disagreeing with, you know, stats that I was able to pull, but more of a belief that there would be an uptick in the shooting, that this would be a better shooting team than last season. And that's where some of that offensive joy was going to come back and and be derived from is that a fair summation of of your uh your your take or your stance that that we were talking about because absolutely the last two games you know their adjustment has just been what if the threes go in yeah i mean that's you just wave a magic wand and you put on some deodorant and all of a sudden like yeah we're we're gonna go win the finals uh last five games they're 41 percent from three first four games of the season they were 41 percent from three uh, unfortunately, though, Tim, the 14 games in the middle, they were shooting 32% from three. 
that's a huge, huge gulf whenever you're taking like 40 or 50 of them a game. You know, that you're, that's like eight or nine points. And how many of these games have they lost by fewer than eight or nine points? Now, I'm not saying that they should be undefeated or that they are going to shoot over 40% from the rest of the season. But, you know, for a very large period of time now, and I think it's finally not the case anymore, but for a really large period of time, you had Tim, Luca, Maxi, and Reggie Bullock all shooting career lows from three. You had Dorian Finney-Smith shooting his worst percentage from three since Luca's rookie season. And whenever those are five of your top seven to eight minutes in terms of – or t- five uh, of your top guys in, in terms of minutes played, um, you know, that's it's really, really, really hard to win games whenever all of your guys that are supposed to be your best shooters are just, you know, building a house. And so – Eventually, that was going to turn around. Now, I didn't expect it to just turn around all at once. Uh, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is looking like Ray Allen out there right now. And, you know, regression goes both ways, right? I knew the Mavs would regress to become a better shooting team. And now, obviously, Tim Hardaway Jr. is not going to shoot 55% from three for the rest of the season. So he'll regress negatively. But by the time he cools off, hopefully one of these other guys, whether it's Bullock or Finney Smith, can heat up a little bit. You know, you don't need every single player on the team to be shooting it great simultaneously, but you can't have every single player on the team shooting it terribly simultaneously. Uh, you need two or three guys popping off every night. And now I don't, I don't know if the the magic stuff, the secret stuff is just putting Hardaway in the starting lineup. I feel like that introduces some problems as well as maybe some solutions, but you know, kid has shown he's going to ride the hot hand no matter who it is. And so for as long as Hardaway is just a, a walking flamethrower, um, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to just keep riding him in the lineup. And then maybe if he cools off, you go back to Bullock or you go to green or whatever the case is, but you know, they just needed somebody, anybody to heat up in these last few games, especially, uh, last night against Phoenix. I mean, they were just unbelievable. Everybody was seeing it go in. And again, against New York, everyone saw it go in. And that is really good because, you know, shot making and confidence have been two issues this season. And it feels like the last couple games, you know, maybe you're taking steps toward that not being the case anymore. Yeah, in my in my argument, my counter argument to to that last week um, was that it's exactly what you said. It's that you know they needed players to heat up, but they did have some players who were shooting you know really well already. Josh Green, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Christian Wood were all shooting you know probably percentages that will fall a little bit as the season you know once we get to game eighty two. Um, but I acknowledge that. Part of this is the idea that if you put Tim Hardaway back into the rotation for 82 games, that if you add Christian Wood, who has been a you know 40% or above 40% shooter, um, and if you just get the development from Josh Green that we're seeing, I, I do understand that there's also a real argument that this team should just be a better shooting team than it was last season. That, you know, sure, Jalen Brunson's not there, but if you're still creating a bunch of three-point looks and they're broadly going to better shooters um, or improving shooters... And you're playing more shooters, you know, maybe that's really what this comes down to is just the idea that if you look at the team holistically, um, their overall percentage should, should go up. I, I do think Luca also hit, starting to hit some more step backs. Uh, he was four of nine in both of these games. Um, I, I think that's part of it. You know, the team has been taking more pull up twos or sorry, pull up threes, but they had been shooting a lot worse on pull up threes. And, you know, as much as I made an effort to focus on, you know, the wide open shots and the catch and shoot shots, because, you know, to some degree, this team lives and dies with what the role players do when they catch passes from Luca. 
it is also important that the team you know continues to hit the same shots that they hit last season and part of that is Luca just hitting you know dumb ridiculous step backs you know whenever he feels like it um you know or at least hitting you know one out of every three which is a pretty low baseline and he hadn't even been clearing that for most of the season so i I think i think those are all you know reasonable i I think it's not even like a argument counter argument who's who's right who's wrong they're all like different ideas that it can exist in the same space about how we feel about this team and as unlikely it is as it is, the Mavericks hit 24 threes again in a game like they did against New York. Or maybe that is likely. It wouldn't shock me if they hit 24 again. Um, it might not even shock me if they hit if they took 61 threes. But that's a big part of this. When you take 61 threes, you don't have to have an amazing shooting night to hit 24 of them. 61 was tied for the fourth most ever in any NBA game by any NBA team. And they shot 39% that night. They just took so many that you know 24 which is an astronomical number of threes to actually make um you know was a fairly average shooting night for any average nba team and so i i don't know how much those numbers will soar to quite those heights and a lot of that was the way that new york was defending them and quite frankly or not I thought, defending them tim i thought new york looked pretty bad in the second half like almost kind of like turn it off we're losing go on to the next one but these are still games the Mavericks have not always won this season, you know, through 22 of uh, or 23 games now. And so for them to do that and for them to really reorientate the team around just making shots and taking a lot of shots, I see how that is, you know, a reasonable approach. The question is, how sustainable is this? Uh, are we going to get to a new stat where the Mavericks can't win a game if they don't hit, you know, like at least 15 threes in a game? Well, it could be. I mean, Almost half their field goal attempts are threes. That's they take so many of them. And most now, in the league. Yeah, yeah, and you know they take like the fewest shots in the league because they play at such a slow pace. And so by volume, yeah, highest they percentage are, of yeah. yeah. I mean miles ahead of the competition. And when you take that many, yeah, you're innately going to be relying on making at least a certain number of them. Um, but because you take so many, you don't have to be a top five shooting team. You don't have to be a top 10 shooting team. Last season after the all-star break, they were only 15th in the league. So they were like right around league average, but they went 17 and six because you take so many and you get enough stops. And then Luca, you know, does his thing. You're well, going to win a push ton back of games. there a little bit. Are you sure that this doesn't need to be a top five or top 10 uh, shooting team? If they're going to, to take that share and also understanding that this isn't a team that, they, they shoot a lot of free throws, but their free throw percentage is pretty low. They don't get fast break points. They don't get, um, you know, a large share of offensive rebounds. They don't have, they're efficient on their two pointers, but they don't, you know, only at the rim and they don't generate a ton there. My whole thing, and I know I've said this on podcast, and if you read me, um, you know, listeners will have heard this before. The other two teams that are taking very similar shares of two pointers versus three pointers is Golden State and Boston, two of the best three point shooting teams in the league. I do think that they're, you know, being a top 10 three-point team in terms of percentage, in terms of conversion rates, is probably pretty important if you're going to take this share of them. And I think there's an argument the Mavericks can be a top 10 team, but I do think it's pretty important that they can't just be a 15th, you know, 15th, 16th in the league percentage-wise like they were last season because this team is different than last season and they don't have as much two-point shot creation. Yeah, I mean, I think... 
if you stick with Hardaway in the starting lineup and stick with Dinwiddie, which that's a lot of projection and conjecture, obviously, because there's still a whole trade deadline and everything. But if you stick with Dinwiddie, Luca, Hardaway, and Powell in your starting lineup, those are four guys that we wouldn't consider to be like defensive stalwarts. You know, uh, now I feel like Tim in particular and Luca as well. These last few games have really stepped up the effort level, which is good. But you know, Wood playing a ton of minutes off the bench as well. You know, this team feels much more slanted toward offense than last year's team. And so if you are going to give up a, a few more points per game or a few more points per 100 possessions, however you want to view it, then, yeah, you are going to have to see an uptick in efficiency from somewhere. Um, but, like, they just went 1-5, right? So starting with that Denver loss to the to the Pistons loss, they went 1-5. They shot 36% from three, which is actually pretty good. I mean, that that's, like, on the on the cusp of top ten. But they were 62% from free throws in those games. And so, like, if even if you're going to shoot it really well, you still have to do other things. You know, I think that you can get by with being a league average to slightly above average three-point shooting team as long as you're not completely terrible at everything else. It just so happened that during that time, they were getting dominated in the open floor. They were getting dominated on the the Mavs defensive glass, so the opponent's offensive glass, and they were dominating themselves at the free throw line. So all of these things were breaking and, you know, shot making, they say, is the best deodorant, but not if like you've been bathing in mud for like three weeks straight, you know, you kind of need to take a shower at that point. So I think that you can get by with league average shooting as long as you're playing at least league average defense and you're doing everything else at a league average. But if you can't do that, and we've seen them be pretty consistently bad from the free throw line this season, and at times pretty consistently glad bad on the defensive glass, you know, then yeah, you are going to have to be better. I mean, that's kind of the the challenge that you present yourself whenever you make the decision to go away from Bullock and go toward Hardaway, you know, and go really lean into the Wood minutes as the lone big and play Luca and Dinwiddie together in the starting lineup as opposed to Bullock. Like you're you're making like these philosophical decisions one after the next toward offense. It means your offense better deliver. Otherwise it's going to be like 2019-20, 2020-21, whenever they were blowing a lot of leads, you know, just like they've done this season. So I, I don't want it to be a repeat of those years. I would rather be it, you know, more of a repeat of last year. Yeah, so I think I think we largely agree. I, I think I I feel a little bit strong more strongly than you that these, you know, what went wrong in that five game stretch, even though they're shooting league average, a little bit above league average from three, all those other things that, that went wrong, I feel are a little bit more baked into the core or the DNA of what this team is able to be. You know, I, I sure. think that, well, and some of them too were, it yeah. was intangibles that like the effort level was not good. <laughs> it was, it was not good in those games. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why do you think, or, or do you also get the sense that the Mavericks play better defense when they're hitting shots? Yes, one yeah. billion percent, yeah, which is, I mean, I think that's a weakness. I think maybe other people might think that's like a strength somehow, but I don't see how you could Jason do that. Jason Kidd for thing. sure thinks that's a weakness. Yeah, and and dude, I mean, Rick has been saying that for like five years. Like when, you know, during the Rick era, 
Like when they would make shots, they'd play defense. And when they'd miss shots in the postgame, every single game, he would say, we cannot let offense affect the defense. And it feels like this year's team 100% does that. I mean, going back to them taking the most threes, that does mean that this team is going to miss more shots than most teams in the league. Um, so you can see how when they're not having at least a 40% shooting night um, from behind the arc, that can trickle in a little bit more often. Um, I also agree with you in terms of, you know, they've positioned the starting lineup more towards offense than defense, um, which wasn't supposed to be the case starting this year, you know, quite the opposite of that. And yet here we are with Dwight Powell back in the starting lineup uh, with Tim Hardaway Jr. back in the starting lineup. Um, I think you're right that Tim Hardaway's played a little bit better. I, I still think they're limited or, or what they try to do defensively is, you know, they scale down a little bit. You know, like I, I don't think they sent double teams at Devin Booker on uh, sun, on Monday when Tim Hardaway Jr. was out there. Because if you send a double, there is a inherent scramble uh, defensive, you know, schemes that you fall into. Um, and it's fair to say schemes. If you're sending a double, you're expecting to start to play scramble defense. I don't think they think Tim Hardaway Jr. can do that. Um, and, and so you he saw did have a couple often. good. He had a couple good possessions one on one against yeah. Booker, though. That was like really impressed by. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, like his his he's clearly like Tim Hardaway Jr. is not someone who's like Facundo Campazzo, just doing the best with you know the athleticism he has. Like you know he is not a he he's never going to be a you know, above average defensive player, but he can be an average guy. He can be a system, you know, a, a solid system defender. Um, and we've seen that at stretches, you know, here and there. I just don't think it's something, you know, I, I think the Mavericks idea of what Tim Hardaway can be, which is like, let's fit him into the simplest scheme and just ask him to do very simple, simple things is probably the right approach. Um, you know, Luca, his effort has kind of gone up and down. Um, I thought his first half against New York was God awful defensively. Um, actually, just his effort in general in that first half against New York was very bad. And the second half, it was clearly there. And, you know, he's jokingly becoming to post game press conferences and, you know, immediately looking at his steals number and his blocks number and saying, you know, steals is my favorite stat, stuff like that. Um, but he would admit this. And I asked Jason Kidd about this like, that's probably not where you're. Uh, you know, gauging his defensive, um, you know, success or or lack of thereof on, and Jason Kidd just instantly said, uh, "Ha, no, <laughs> like that yeah. is that is not what uh not yeah. not at all what he's what he's looking at uh primarily." So, I I think that you know the the trends on that on the defensive side are probably um they're better in the last two games, and I'm just really curious, you know, like what happens when this team isn't knocking down you know, uh, 17 plus threes in a game, because I think, I think that's kind of the next thing to watch out for and be like, how does the team adjust to this? Um, you know, what does it look like? Yeah. I mean, the effort level has to stay there. The intensity has to stay there. You can't be licking your wounds or feeling sorry for yourself, especially because now, you know, there's only one Dorian on the floor. And so if you're Luca, Tim or Dinwiddie, there's a really good chance that at least one of those guys is going to be defending like an all-star caliber player almost every time down the floor. And if they're feeling bad, then, you know, they're going to give up a layup. And Dwight is not an eraser back there. You know, Dorian, I feel like, has put in the Lord's work on some of these blocks coming out of nowhere. But, like, he can't do everything himself. And so, you know, just as it is with Luka on offense where you need other guys to step up, 
as long as the Mavs are committed to these more offensive-minded players, you know, they need those guys to step up. They need them to be just at least league average. You know, just don't be a turnstile. Don't be a traffic cone. Um, don't do the the Matador thing where you just get out of the way. I mean, you have to come up and make some sort of plays. You have to provide some sort of resistance. That's all that they're asking. I don't really think they're asking Tim to go put the clamps on Booker for 48 minutes. But if you can, like, at least make him work for his meal a few times, then job well done. You know, you're probably going to force a miss, and then everyone else has to bust their butt to get the rebound. That's what they're asking. Um, or at least that's what I think they're asking. They don't really let me in the locker room uh, pregame, you know, so not I, since I, the I don't incident. really know. Yeah, not since the incident. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't been allowed not. back in there. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. We don't talk about that. Yeah, nope, nope, nope. Definitely not. You know who we talk about, though? Who? Josh Green. Oh, wow. Love that guy. Yeah. As much as we're talking about, like, structural issues with the Mavericks, you know, they don't get fast break points. They don't get offensive rebounds. They, you know, they're, you know, they're shifting to a more offensive-minded strategy, especially with Bullock's struggles, that there's only one Finney Smith out there. Josh Green is just the answer to every single one of those things, while also having, you know, one of the best three-point percentages in the NBA right now. Um, you know, just a guy who gets some easy buckets, a guy who has demonstratively improved his finishing at the rim, something that isn't easy to just get better at. It's easier when you're, a, you know, the most athletic player on the team, you know, probably 95th percentile in the league like Josh Green is. But we've seen a lot of really athletic players come into the league, not be good finishers and never get better. And so for him to improve in that area, for him to get better at getting to the rim, uh, even off his own dribble. Like, I I can't undersell how much Josh Green, you know, without Josh Green's breakout this season, this further step that he's taken, uh, this team would not be in nearly as good of a place. Yeah, the plays. So there were two. One was last night, the the little no look pass on the short roll whenever Phoenix like showed against Luca. And then there was one dribble and then just lasered it to the opposite corner. No look too, just mm. And then there was a play against New York. He caught it on the wing. He didn't really have a step against Emmanuel quickly, and so he had to kind of break him down, but he did. He, like, crossed over, sort of did a half spin to get quickly on his hip, and then turned into the lane and then found Maxi. like, dropped off a little pass to Maxi for a layup. And that's, like, really advanced stuff. You know, you can make all the simple plays in the open floor in transition, you know, swing, swing, or like no defender is anywhere near you. And so you take one dribble, someone gets wide open, but he's like now breaking down defenses. In his last five games, he's averaging six drives a game, uh, you know, doing stuff in the pick and roll with Luca. Teams are now actually starting to come out to him at the three-point line and he's getting past those guys. That's how he made that whirling dervish pass to Bertans against Golden State. He made a really nice pass to Maxi out of a similar situation against the Knicks as well. Uh, fired kind of like an underhand sidearm laser beam to Maxi, uh, attacking a closeout for a three. And so, you know, he's like making really, really advanced plays. And there's kind of nobody else. There's certainly no one else on this team with that level of quickness. I guess maybe Jaden Hardy is the other guy, but I mean, he's, I don't know if he's going to get steady minutes. Um, there's certainly nobody who's as good in the open floor. And there's really no one else at the wing position or anyone even outside of Luca, probably. Like, is it fair to say that Josh Green is probably like a a better passer than Dinwiddie? Is that weird to say? I don't think so, no. I I think, you know, the skill of passing and the making the actual right reads are two very different things. And clearly, 
Josh Green has more skillful passing, I guess, in his. But I think he's j- consistently making better reads. Yeah, he's making the I right think, play. I think than even Dinwiddie. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think, now, I think you're right. He was sloppy with it at the beginning of the year. You know, it felt like yeah. he had a few too many turnovers trying to make this little drop off pass to the big man. Um, but now he's finding shooters. Like he's making really advanced passes. Um, really, it just has an unbelievable right. feel for the game. And so, you know, whenever you get him and Luca on the floor together, you're getting an athlete to speed up the game whenever Luca wants to slow it down. So, like, you have your two speeds that you can play, but then also you have your two best passers on the floor. And for now, at least, you have your best shooter on the floor, too, in green. So, like, he just represents all these things that, that nobody else on the roster can really replicate, at least at his position, if nothing else. And so, man, I mean... I don't really know what to say. I'm, I've been really, 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 really just like in awe of how quickly he's developed. Uh, it feels like every game he gets better at something, um, even if his shooting numbers aren't there. And like you said about finishing, that happened overnight. I mean, that happened like literally overnight. And now he's like 80% in the restricted area. Like, this is unbelievable. I, I, I do not remember seeing a guy have this sort of meteoric ride. And now we're not talking like go from like Anthony Simon scoring five a game to now scoring 25. But what Josh is doing, considering the the level of relevance or irrelevance he had the last couple seasons, has been it's it's been really really impressive. Yeah, you you mentioned he was you know he's starting to do advanced stuff as well as simple stuff, and you know you're right, and I'm not underselling your point at all. But what's simple for him, which is running really fast and dunking really hard in transition, that's simple because of the athlete it is. There's no other player on the Mavericks roster who can even you know eat, who even makes that simple you know I mean, have they ever had a guy, physical tools to make that simple right have they ever had a guy period that can do that I mean like I maybe mean, Gerald Green a really long time ago like they just super duper turbo hyper mega athletes we just have not seen many I remember of them. like Brandon Wright you know yeah could, but he I mean he's nowhere near different the type of player though right Josh you know Right. Yeah. And and if I can tease something real quick, Tim, uh, later today on the Mavs YouTube channel, there will be a Josh Green film room that I'm doing, breaking down some Josh Green tape. So the hype train has just reached uh, just, you know, nuclear levels if a train can do that. Look, this hype train is going as fast as Josh Green in transition. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's going to be Watch out, Landry We're going to pick your pocket, <laughs> bud. Who got the block on him and uh, uh, which Suns player? blocked him it got called as a foul i thought that was a clean block but i'm bringing that up to mm. say that oh yeah, josh oh, yeah. Green, that was yeah that was josh Akogi, i think that was an it amazing was play it was yeah, a Kogi. that was an amazing um, play. i thought it was clean but i do want to say that josh green is going to get someone this year like in a really nasty way it's yeah. coming yeah. yeah i think so too yeah i think so too yeah it looked like i was kind of disappointed too because it looked like josh was really trying to like measure his steps there and he kind of like slowed down just a little bit I was just, like, just go, man. Just jump off the wrong foot. You can get up there and do it. He can, right. he can do it. Somebody asked Josh Green uh, who the most athletic player on the team was uh, last night, uh, Monday night, you know, after the Phoenix game. And he gave a very diplomatic, um, we're a team full of great athletes. And then mm. got pushed a little bit more, thought about it some more. He decided to name uh, JaVale McGee. Okay. Meme on JaVale all you want, but that dude is a freak athlete. Like some yeah. of these lobs he, he finishes, right. yeah. are, they're unbelievable. They're yeah. unbelievable. I, I don't know how he has the coordination to do it. That said, I'm I'm taking Josh Green. I agree. I will. Take I think him. he was being a a little a little humble, as you might say. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, and well, that- we, you and me, Bobby, are never ever humble. Mm-hmm. And so we're just going to promote 
all of our stuff always. So go go watch Bobby's film room on Josh Green. I will be doing that. Read me when I write about Josh Green sometime very soon. I think that's my plan. And always listen to 77 Minutes, the only Mavericks podcast that's, you know, finally getting minutes, finally looking like we can dunk on anybody who isn't named Josh Okoge. You know? And on that note, we'll see you next week. Or see you later this week. I keep doing that. Two episodes Sorry, a week. Tim. It's so That's early a lot in of your episodes. Career. You know? Yeah, you know, call it a call it a second year mistake because I didn't get a rookie year because I wasn't given minutes. Alright, this is going too long. See y'all. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! (laughs) It's a wrap, huh? That is a wrap.